Welcome to the Mavens of Marketing, a weekly podcast hosted by me, Rachel Durkin. And me, Carrie Barrett. We talk all things marketing, innovation, sales, and business growth strategies, and the standard tried and true marketing techniques. Come for the conversation, stay for the savvy insights. And the borderline inappropriate jokes. Welcome to the next episode of the Mavens of Marketing. I am Carrie Barrett, one part of your fabulous co-hosting duo. I'm joined by the fabulous, did I say that already? Rachel Durkin, how are you? (laughs) Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here as always. And I'm very excited about this conversation today. It's going to be awesome. I am too. So it's a Monday when we're recording this and we've already sort of taken a, a little bit of a dive into the fact that it is a Monday, not necessarily a happy Monday. We're all sort of feeling it today. I don't know what's going on. It's the middle of the summer. I feel like we should be all celebratory. And yet everybody I talked to was sort of like in, they're in it right now. Yeah, I think I think the whole cyclical thing is thrown off with what yeah. we've been experiencing. My, I have a tried and true cycle in my business that's been the same way for years. Like usually July and August, I write more proposals than I do all year long combined. Yeah. And none of them close until Q4 or Q1. And right now things are closing and I'm not writing as many, but they're closing. It's just a weird, it's a weird yeah. environment. I don't know what's going on. I thought you ha- you said you had a psycho in your business, not a cycle in your business. That I also, the psycho that. is me. <laughs> well, that's something else entirely. And perhaps that's another show that we should dive into a little bit. On that note, I am so excited to talk to our guest today, Destiny Berman, who is like a digital course extraordinaire mastermind she knows all the things about all the things destiny thank you so much for being a part of this i'm so happy to be here and um we were just talking about how relevant the timing of going digital is more than ever so excited to be in this conversation with with both of you before we jump into all things digital and the online course world do you want to give our audience a very quick you know, primer, a a bio, if you will, on who you are and what you do? Yes. So I have been in digital marketing for as long as I can remember, pretty much my entire career. I spent about 15 years working at companies here in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, leading campaigns back when social media was was being defined in 2007, when we were still figuring out what it was. Um, And about six years ago, I, I had this realization that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. That prompting was always there, but I finally took action. And so I made the leap from digital marketing to digital entrepreneur, launching online courses, marketing courses, because I believe in self-education. I believe in the knowledge industry. And we've all witnessed how fast growing online education has really become an accelerator, especially in the last two years. Well, it's crazy. I was reading some statistics the other day, which said, and I, 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 of course I'm drawing a blank right now. In a couple of years, two or three years, the online course industry, right? The education industry outside of traditional education, I should be clear about that for the audience is expected to be a $365 billion a year industry. So it's, it's making a billion dollars a day, which is just sort of mind boggling because it really has, I mean, it's been around for a little bit, but it's really just sort of begun to enter mass 
awareness, if you will. When you began to dip your toe into this water back in 2007, 2008, 2009, did you have any idea of what this was about to become? No. So the short answer is no way, because back then we were trying to figure out, well, how do we reach people with social media? How do we have people, even brands like Sephora, Victoria's Secret, how do we even get people to refer a friend, right? So that was when Facebook was getting defined and then you've got Instagram and YouTube and then now you've got TikTok. And so all these creator platforms have come online, but it's still all fairly recent in the grand scheme of things. And so it's it's insane in terms of how big online education has become. I believe that every subject matter expert will have a course in the next five years. So it's not a matter of, are you going to have a course or not? It's a matter of what kind of course and when. So answer is no, and it's just been this wild ride, but it's also really exciting to see how technology and media and education has found its sweet spot. So I, I find it, it's, The whole course marketing strategy or strategies is fascinating. And I want to talk more about that in a second, but on to to piggyback on the question, Carrie just asked now that the market is so saturated, you know, how are you, how is it possible still to monetize this in a really meaningful way? Um, Or is it only the 1% who are able to do it? Mm. So the answer is yes, you can absolutely do it, even if you feel like you're late to the game. And there are three reasons why. One, the market is bigger than ever. So I mean, truly up until last year, it, it was still a pretty non-mainstream, you know, you've got a couple of thousand people who are you know, doing this and coaches and whatnot. But the reality is that it's only just becoming to, to become mainstream. You've got billions of people online who want to learn and you only really need a fraction of the billions of people to learn from you to have that six, seven figure business. So that's one. Number two, I believe that we're going to see more specialization in the market. So instead of just teaching yoga, instead of just teaching meditation, maybe you're a yoga teacher who focuses on diabetes or on mental health. Same thing for meditation. And so you'll be seeing these broad markets go more specialized with deeper expertise and that's going to help you build that kind of business. And third, people are always going to want to learn. The, what, the person who signs up for that meditation course from you will likely sign up for another five meditation courses from five different teachers. So the more you're willing to own that uniqueness and that specialty, it's not as competitive in the same way that one may think. Let, let me ask you this, you know, because I'm, I'm constantly talking to clients like, I know you don't think you have a course in you, but you have a course in you. I'm getting ready to launch one myself. And I've heard, and I can't exactly remember where I heard this, but I've heard it said before, if you have ever had somebody say to you, oh my gosh, that's interesting. How did you do that? You may have the knowledge base for a digital course. How does somebody... How does somebody know whether they they have something that that is a value that they can teach others? Well, one, if you have a business, even if you are if you have a media business or you have a coaching business or even if you have a brick and mortar business, if if you have a business with customers and clients, it is very likely you have a timeless course within you because the service based work, the expert, the subject matter expertise that you have established, the 
customers that are buying from you, whether you're in retail, there is a thread and there is a theme to the content that can be pulled out within a course. And I think so many of us underestimate this. If you have a fashion, if, you have, if you're a retailer, you have customers who are buying a certain, um, a certain set of products from you. If you were to launch a membership site for fashion and styling, these customers will likely subscribe. And so we just forget about the assets that we already have that can be leveraged into the digital course. So I got, the question I'm supposed to ask you, I'm gonna put on the table because I wanna follow up to that. When you're pulling your content together, is it more impactful? Like, let's say this is your first course. Yeah. Do you want to do something niche, which, you know, gets more attention? Or do you want to do something evergreen that will be timeless? Like, what mm. would you suggest for newbies? Both. <laughs> so number one, you want to go as niche as possible. And if we think about e-commerce companies, they do a great job at this. They sell socks. They sell shoes. Amazon was known for books. Zappos was known for shoes. So you want to go as niche down as possible for your first course. And when, you know, there, there are two different definitions to evergreen. So there's timeless content. That's a great starting point. But you want to do live marketing campaigns before you go automated and before you go 24-7 evergreen. So timeless content is great and foundational content is great. But you want to go niche in who you're serving because that's going to help you stand out and be known so much faster, especially in the beginning. That's great. Thank you. So I'm going to kind of change the topic a little bit. So in my, this is, I have, I have a fault. I have a lot of faults. <laughs> There's a lot of things wrong with me. One of them is when I'm thinking about marketing, I think a little bit too far ahead. So when I'm planning like a course business plan, I'm thinking like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, like getting people in at a master class and then moving them over to a basic and then more advanced and then, you know, senior level. And so I've got, you know, the next two years planned out in my head of what the business plan is going to look like because of efficiencies. Right. And you want, it, it helps with revenue and, and all that good stuff. Of course. Is it Again, if you're going into this for the first time, am I overthinking it? Do you just do your first course and then worry about that later? Is it better to go in with the business plan in advance? Like, how would you approach it? So personally, I love business plans and I do love looking into the future, especially if you're going to be planning for a marketing budget and how you want to pull all of this together into a meaningful business. Unfortunately, the digital landscape has changed so much. I mean, even if we look out in six months time, there are going to be more ways to monetize your content and more platforms that will be available than ever. So we are limited by that. And I like to look at immediate business plans in three to six months by launch. And then once you've established and proven that result, you'll be able to build out longer term business plans. So for us, we have an 18 month business plan. It doesn't mean that things won't shift, but it's also because we've launched it so many times. I love that. I, I do that too. And especially the, if, if COVID's taught me nothing else, it's taught me that micro planning is so incredibly important. So I'll have, I've been calling it an outline. I've got a marketing out or I've got a business outline for the next year. So I know I'm going to do let's say talking courses, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior level, but I don't know what the content is yet. <laughs> I just know that I don't want to get too complex after in the first course because I want to build on it. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm with you. And now it's, especially we were just talking before this, we started recording about how we don't know what's happening next. You know, what now, what's next? What's, is there a new variant? Is, are we all going back to, to hiding again? And it's really hard to plan. I, I actually find that evergreen content right now 
is harder. I just did an audit on my website of all the content and everything was so COVID focused that a lot of it, I had to go back to what the evergreen was before that. So are you finding that challenging? It is true that with so much going on in the world right now, it is hard to not only be speaking about current events and many questions and many people's problems are so current and relevant. But the one of the tips that I like to give my clients and members in terms of pulling out, you know, what is timeless, what is recurring is you want to look at the most repeated questions that your customers and your clients are asking you for. So it's in the form of if they're seeking you out for expertise, even if they're buying products from you, there are recurring problems and gaps and missings that your customers and clients are wanting from you. That is what is going to create a very strong, evergreen, timeless course that you can build upon, even if you evolve your business and you end up with you know five different courses over time. Let me ask you this. I always see these memes on social Instagram or whatever, where it's like, you know, alleged digital course, you know, legends, you know, masters of that universe, if you will, are like diving into pools of money. And that's how they're showing that audience, right? That's how they're showing the alleged vastness of the audiences out there and the opportunity that there is to generate large amounts of, of revenue. Number yeah. one, is that opportunity, people often see like the marquee, like grow your business to seven digits and beyond with these three steps for marketing your course. Is there an easy way to do this, number one? And number two, what are the basics for course marketing? Like, how do you, how do you begin to stick, stick your, your big toe into that water and start to get a little bit of traction? Yeah, so one, I can't say it's ever easy. It's simple, you know, marketing, like marketing has, I mean, timeless marketing. You build audience, you have clear messaging, you warm up your audience, you build authority and you convert. Like, it's actually as simple as that. And if you go to any course marketer, myself included, we're essentially teaching across these pillars. Mm -hmm. Has the digital landscape evolved? Yes. Has funnels gotten more complicated? Absolutely. But it can be very simple. It just isn't easy. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me, the whole space around building your business to a seven-figure business. Well, what does it, it even mean for your profits, right? I mean, your, your net number is really what you're bringing home each year, every month. And so I'm always interested in the profits and I'm also interested in how can I build a lasting business with infrastructure versus so what if you can scale with paid advertising to seven figure that year? Do you even have the infrastructure that is going to withstand it for years to come? Right. So you're, you're, you may be making seven figures, but you're paying 6.9 in advertising, right? So like, what does it really mean? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, how much are you really bringing home? Like that's, that's really the big question. And so how are you optimizing your business so that you're keeping advertising to a certain percentage, or, you know, that this year you're going to make less profit because you're investing for growth, but because you're planning for that and you have a vision in place. So how, how do you, how do you launch this idea? And I know launch encompasses a whole bunch of things when we're talking about digital courses, but like what are those first steps toward course marketing? So first off, you want to evaluate why you're launching this. So if you have a business and your goal is to, I want to add another revenue stream to my business. Okay, great. Well, let's start with what you can leverage inside your business so you can quickly add that revenue stream. 
I would say that folks who already have a business have much more leverage because they already have customers, they have clients, they have assets they can tap into. So if your whole idea is to add a whole new revenue stream, okay, boom, that's your objective. Let's start with what has been working inside my business and who are the people who have known me to some extent that I can generate fast revenue to. If you are brand new from the ground up, from scratch, you are going to have to be okay with experimentation and not expecting a six-figure launch in your first course. Like that's that's not gonna happen because either you've been building organic audience that now you wanna monetize, okay, six-figure launch, very possible. Or if you're building truly from the ground up, you have to be willing to test what is my course idea that is meeting a need in the market and how can I generate fast audience with advertising even if that takes time to convert. And so it's always down to what and what what need is it meeting? And then who am I launching to? It's as straightforward as that. And be willing to accept that five to 10 people in your first course launch, if you're starting from the ground up, is great. And that's a success. Because if you can get one person, five people, you can build that up to 50, 100, 200 people. And we have these crazy expectations when you see these six-figure launches, seven-figure launches, and then we think that it's a failure, that it's, it's a disappointment. And we have to sort of get rid of that mindset, right? So when you're talking about, you know, nurturing your audience or building from the ground up, what, oh my gosh, and there's, I have a million questions for you, really. <laughs> you just stop and go one by one. What are those first steps? So you're looking at what it is that you're doing. You're looking at where you are in terms of the clients that you have and the things that you found attraction for. Once you have found that element, here is what I have and here is what I would like to teach. You yeah. build a course around it. Then, then what comes next? Is it, are you, are you doing social posts? Are you like, what comes, what are the next steps? So this is a big question and I'm gonna break it down in, in two ways. There is essentially three categories of traffic. I'm oversimplifying, but there's three categories of traffic. There's organic traffic, that's building your audience on Instagram, on YouTube, building a podcast. There's paid traffic, so running paid advertising on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. And then there is your existing customers and clients. Got three buckets and three categories of people you can be launching your first offer to. So you have the third bucket, you can potentially skip one and two. If you have been fortunate enough to have been building organic audience on Instagram because you love it, you're a digital native even, great. That's the audience you can start launching to. And if you haven't done anything, you have to go into paid advertising. Now the rule of the game here is no matter how many followers or subscribers on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, you need to have that email address. So clients and customers, likely you have their email address, great. Let's start talking to them. Let's start priming them for your upcoming launch. Organic, let's make sure we're capturing the email address. And then paid ads, everything will be to capture that email address lead generation. That's like oversimplifying, but you have to think about lead generation and then priming them for your upcoming launch in as part of your whole marketing strategy. And oftentimes people think that the whole launch is when they open for enrollment. 80% of the launch is in the production of the course, the priming up of the audience. Like if you think about the movies and the trailers coming out for months and months, that's the launch. 
by the time they make it into the theaters, it's already been established. The marketing budget has already been spent. And the success has, to a fair degree, has already been predetermined. What, when you are, so I'm, I email address, I get advertise, right? It's current clients and customers advertising, right? That's a whole nother podcast. When you're talking about that organic traffic, how important is that social following and where should people be looking to build it? Or is it specific to the type of course that they're looking to launch? Is it always Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube the way that you're talking about? Or are there other platforms out there that people should be exploring? So over time, you want paid and organic, and they work in different ways. Organic takes a long time. It's going to cost you less. It will work for you 24-7. Paid can get you going so much faster, but it will always cost you money. And there are things that are drastically out of your control and that's why it's a roller coaster right so over time what you want to do is pair paid with organic period in terms of platform i mean there are so many platforms that exist out there the first question is which platform do you want to be on and to focus on one platform at a time some people love to be on youtube and they've always started on youtube day one and they're great with videos and for many folks instagram is great each platform will convert if you use it as designed and if you're consistent with building that organic in addition to supplementing it with paid. So it's less about the platform choice, it's about which platform are you committing to and the consistency and to know the purposes of, of organic versus paid and people confuse the two objectives. I agree with that. I also, but I would add though that I think the platform is dependent on your target audience as well. It's true, and what we're seeing is that over time, so if we think about even the history and the evolution of Facebook, it started out in colleges, mm -hmm. and then over time it's become we so mainstream. We all got mainstream. old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's become so mainstream that you have a wide range of audiences. So depending on the maturity of the platform at this time, I mean, TikTok is trending that way. You know, mm -hmm. before long, you're going to start to have uh, the next generation of users on TikTok, and they're going to be older, and they're going to be buyers in a different way. So unless it's a brand new platform, over time what happens is they capture the entire demographic and it's about how you leverage the targeting and the messaging to pull them in. So I'm gonna ask you, we're running up on time, but let me ask you, you mentioned something earlier about expectations and not giving yeah. up, you know, I, I'm always saying to my clients, don't give up one step before the finish line. Just because you can't see the finish line, the worst <laughs> thing you can do is get all the way there and then, and then fold on a marketing strategy. So, I agree that the entire marketing initiative happens before the course even goes live. Let's say somebody, they have a business, maybe it's a small business, they're doing courses for the first time, they're transitioning to this as a new revenue stream, a new audience, or, or to supplement their audience. What is a win? What should they consider a win? You know, if they get 10 people, 100, 300, what, what is a reasonable yeah. expectation? So it's virtually impossible to nail down just because there are so many variables. Because some people, they start out with zero email lists, but they have a great network to tap mm -hmm. into, as, as an example. But typically, if you're starting from scratch, my recommendation is to launch with a paid workshop versus launching a course. So let's say you launch a three-hour paid workshop that you sell for 97 And you build up your list, whether from existing organic efforts or from paid and you set a goal of 10 to 15 people inside that paid workshop. Is it a big revenue driver? No, but it gets you in the game, it proves a concept to you, 
And if that workshop is what you find that you want to teach and the people in there are your ideal people, you build upon that. If not, and it's usually about 50-50, by the way, once you launch this workshop, this idea whether it matches what you really want to do. If not, you make adjustments and you keep going, but you haven't really wasted any efforts. So that's the way I like to look at it. Some people for their first launch, they want 50 people because of different reasons, and that's fine too. I like to set three goals, stretch, bottom line, like minimum, minimum, and you pick a number in between. And to know that in terms of expectations, you have to be honest with yourself with where you're starting. You know what assets you have. So you actually, inside you know what your outcome and what a successful outcome is for you. That's awesome. You are so smart. <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking to you. Carrie, do you have any other questions or do you want to go to the weirdest? I want to ask, yes. So Destiny, the question Thanks, that we're running up on time. Our, our guests at the very end of the podcast, aside from where people can find you and learn more about you and hopefully hire you as well for your genius and your expertise is what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, so first I'm just going to have a little disclaimer um, because this is going to get edited. Um, hopefully this doesn't trigger people. <laughs> so this is actually true. So number one, this is true because I like thought about it when I was trying to get back online. And number two, I hope this doesn't trigger people. So if I need another example, I'll come up with one. Go for it. But um, one of the weirdest things to me was I was working for this company in San Francisco. And this was, this was probably 12, 12, 12 years ago. And I was starting out as an account manager, as a media buyer. Actually, this was in 2008 when we were working on the whole social media viral campaigns. And um, <laughs> so it was mostly men I was working with. And I learned that one of their weekly rituals was that you go up the street, there's this bar, you have happy hour, no big deal. And for whatever reason at this bar, they would have this raffle. <laughs> you would buy <laughs> drinks, there would be raffle tickets. And who and the the woman selling the raffle tickets were in this lingerie, and whoever won the raffle would win the lingerie that they were wearing. It was really really bizarre. <laughs> and to be totally honest, tell me that gifted the lingerie. I, I didn't feel weird about it. I can see how in today's world <laughs> that may seem a little off, but I've always felt great with folks I work with so hopefully this doesn't put anyone in a bad light but it was a very like how did you even come up with this how did the bar come up with this and then how do people come up with this to go there every Friday for happy hour well you know what I mean listen what what was that movie where the guy would like sneak into people's apartments or houses and steal the dryer lint out of the woman's dryer Don't you remember that movie? Okay, hold on. I know, I realize that we're going to edit this. I'm putting this into the Google. You guys don't remember this? He would know. <laughs> he would pick it out with the tweezers and he would, he had a bag of dryer lint that he would connect. I'm not saying that you worked with psychopaths. Um, I'm, <sighs> I'm just saying that you worked with psychopaths. No, I'm just. <laughs> oh my God. It was just like the weirdest. Yeah. <laughs> dryer lint um, thief. To be fair, inside I've you know I've I've been a, I'm a multiple times burner. I've had way more experiences and weirder experiences than that, but that was what came to mind most. <laughs> I, I like it. 
I am fully supportive of it. And I'm I'm going to find, I'm going to find we that. believe you, Carrie. It's a real thing. So <laughs> Destiny, tell us where we can find more about you. If, <laughs> if our if our audience wants information on how they can work with you, where can they find you? So two places, Instagram, Des Berman. Um, we have a lot of folks who DM us over the platform. It's a pretty easy way to find out um, what we're up to. And then my website, destinyberman.com, we've got, we have free training, free launch guides, everything course marketing related um, is also a, another great resource for you. Very good. There actually is a movie called Dryerland. It's a short that was created. We're getting closer. It's <laughs> also another one called Lynch People that is on IMDb. So just for the record. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight now. So. <laughs> Aren't entirely unusual. There are people out there that are on board. Uh, Destiny, it was amazing to chat with you as always. I learn something new every time I speak with you. Thank you so much. Mm, you're so welcome. It was This was a fun conversation with uh, everything that came up in a possible way. So thank you both. <laughs> It's a lesson on how to handle the digital age, for sure, from start to finish. With that said, thank you to our audience for joining us for this episode of the Mavens of Marketing. We will see you back here next week. Same time, same place. <laughs> it's a teaser. What exactly does it mean to be a social seller? What skills do you need to have? Why is it important? How do you go about it? And oh, by the way, there's the algorithms to deal with as well. How do you overcome all of that and have a successful social sales campaign? All of that and so much more with our next guest, Ryan Dowdy on the Mavens of Marketing.